All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Ronald Moorhead. We're talking about the quantum Bigfoot, bringing science and spirituality together. Um, how are you doing this evening, Ronald? Doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming. You know, I think the very first question one has is, um, you know, there's those combinations that you just never expect to see in the wild, and that would be quantum and <laughs> quantum Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> together in a title. Uh, so maybe you can just start us out by explaining why the quantum Bigfoot? What, what are we getting at here? Well, what we're getting at is, uh, as many of your listeners may know, I encounter these creatures in the Sierra Nevadas uh, mm-hmm. uh, to the uh, east of you there, south. <laughs> And uh, this was in the 70s, and uh, we started recording their vocalizations and having some mysteries around them, too, which I didn't talk about for a long time. Just anomalies, things that you couldn't explain with classical science. Al Berry, who was the investigative reporter from Reading, actually, uh, he worked for the Records Searchlight the newspaper then. And uh, he, uh, he was invited, we invited him to camp, he thinking he was going to find a hoax because it's kind of an incredible story. But he heard the sounds and thought they were worth listening or investigating. So we, we took him into camp in 1972. He ended up recording uh, uh, sounds and uh, still thinking they were hoaxes. Somebody had to hoax us. But this is 8,400 feet elevation, <laughs> and it's eight miles into the wilderness. It's it's really imposing trail to get to, an imposing area. Uh, gorgeous area, though. It's beautiful. And... Uh, um, so anyway, he went in and he, he had some experiences too, along with us. And, uh, he ended up having those recordings, uh, checked by Dr. Curlin, Professor Curlin at the University of Wyoming. He did a year long study and established the sounds were credible. They weren't manipulated. They weren't uh, speeded up, slowed down. Or identifiable, I assume. They, they were, uh, above and below and in between all, all over the scope of, of vocalizations and way outside the human uh, scope of what we can do and that was interesting uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't what academia needed so we kept on and but there was other anomalies going on up there uh, lights and uh, sounds that we could not identify uh, very very unusual sounds outside of what you could explain with classical science like I say and uh, Alberry had a master's degree in science, and he said that uh, whatever you do, try to stay with science on this thing, or you'll never be able to get anybody to listen to you. So uh, I started reaching in. Well, how does how does science explain this? How do they explain lights going by you and things like that going on? And these sounds like your camp's being tore apart. And you look outside this little shelter we had there, and nothing's changed. And you don't know how to put your finger on that. It's like trying to nail a jello to the wall, you know. So. Anyway, um, that got me into looking into quantum physics because I realize, and everybody does, I think, we live in a three-dimensional environment, a three-dimensional world, but there's more dimensions according to physics. So um, I think it was uh, Nikola Tesla said that uh, what one man calls God, another man calls quantum physics. So (laughs) those who have thrown religion away and outside the door because they didn't go with religion, Believe it or not, your spiritual being, according to uh, uh, Stephen Hawkins and according to Einstein, energy, which we are all made of at the most minute level, does not die. It only changes form. So religions will call that heaven. Quantum physics calls that uh, dimensions. There are at least 11 uh, established by mathematics of uh, 
in quantum physics. And uh, so anyway, I started looking into that, and uh, it started coming together for me. Uh, it started answering some of the questions I had. So, um, and I think and it was a uh, doctor. Uh, well, who was the astronaut? He was uh, Mitchell, Edgar Mitchell. He said it takes classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. Mm. I yeah. think that's a pretty yeah. good thing to yeah. hear. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, quantum quantum science, you know, is science in its most extreme form of basically measuring things without using any of your human senses. Yeah, it's probably the the least intuitive in in some ways because you're dealing with you know small scales where we just right. don't have, have yeah. the experience of how it works exactly. So I get what he's saying because there's no way to uh, to really understand. I mean, even me setting my hand on the table, we we don't understand what's going on without looking quantumly at it. So, so the way we're going here is that. Bigfoot is interdimensional. That's pretty much what we're trying to say here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe that because I've, I've, I've interviewed people for 50 years now. This happened to me. I've mm -hmm. been doing this for all right at 50 years. And, and uh, it's just, uh, I hear these people say uh, they saw one disappear. Just kind right. of like hot spot in the pavement or something. You see it evaporating up. For a long time, I discarded that because nothing can just disappear, but that's not true. Things can go out of our perception. We see within a frequency of light. Everything is frequency, either energy, frequency, and, and uh, vibration. So that's, that's just the laws of physics. And when you get into what we are as energy beings, uh, it's just makes comes to comes around and you get to kind of understand it a little bit because if these things can somehow change their matter into energy you wouldn't see them anymore uh, you would only, we only see within light's frequency and that's very small animals can see better than we can as far as frequencies go and you get into all the frequencies that are out there uh, it's just uh, makes makes kind of sense to me and uh, that's why i got into it so yeah so um you know the first thing that this makes me think of is is um over the years i've heard two parallels to this uh somebody saying i don't remember where i heard it <clears throat> somebody saying that bigfoot was an interdimensional um being that was looking for gold specifically is what this person said and then on the oh, other yeah, side that's right <laughs> yeah on the other side there is um somebody saying that the loch ness monster uh is actually traveling through portals because of quartz in the ground allowing it to travel through time basically so i guess my question with what you're thinking is is the dimensional travel that you propose that Bigfoot is doing, is he doing it on purpose or is it accidental? It's on purpose. Uh, he can he can change his vibrational frequency to a higher level and go out of our perception. And so would we consider him sentient? Oh, very much so. So yeah. not like an animal, but like he's, a... He's sapient, like us. Sapient, yeah, there you he's, go. He's probably a hybrid. Most of them are. Let me say this up front, too. I don't believe they're all of the same mm -hmm. genome. Because we all pretty much believe aliens have been here over eons. Uh, we've been visited by UFOs. They're being reported now quite regularly. And <clears throat> I think that probably different types of aliens have corrupted or manipulated the DNA of different type beings on this earth. 
uh, primate uh, manipulated them. They have attributes that we are trying to understand now. And um, that's where the dogman comes from, I think, because they can manipulate an animal too. And look at the Egyptian, uh, uh, Egyptian history, and you can see, you know, a dog head on a man, or you see a unicorn, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's uh, all. Of that's got a core of truth to it. If you start looking into it, what what really makes us make sense? And if you look even at the biblical history or historical history like that, you got alien beings corrupting the genome of, of humans. And that's what brought in the giants. And uh, if you want to get into the religious part here, it gets into the, the Nephilim, which were uh, giants. And they were corrupting the human genome, which which basically I think you know, there's a hybridization program going on now, I believe. And so does most MUFON people that I'm, I'm acquainted with think there's probably a, a hybridization program going on by aliens. And uh, that's, that gets their their genome, their species, uh, indoctrinated into this atmosphere, this 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 environment, this Earth's environment. I'm not sure they do so well. Uh, I don't know. It's all speculation now. Of course, lots of things I'm saying is speculation, but it's based on 50 years of research. And this, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that they probably uh, uh, have done that and are doing it now. There's a lot of people uh, claim abductions uh, and... There's been several people who have had implants put in. It's been taken out. I've seen the operation of that one time by Dr. Lear, who's passed away now. But they've taken out little, they claim they were abducted and they've taken out little implants in them. So, what's that doing? Is it changing DNA? Is it just them keeping track of them? But a lot of people claim abductions. And uh, uh, you, you just either got to think they're all lying or believe them one way or the other, yeah. or they're delusional. I mean, they're just not lying, but they're delusional, but I don't think so. I know some of these people personally, and they're very credible sounding. Right. Um, I imagine that with MUFON people, uh, you know, they tend to try to, or I imagine that they tend to try to chase paperwork stuff that, um, that a Bigfoot that's considered a sapient alien is maybe a hard pill to swallow for some of these people because they kind of view it like an animal. Do you find that this is something that um, people in that field are receptive to? Yeah, they do. They think it's an animal. A lot of researchers think it's just an animal running around the woods and they've got camera traps sitting out there, which aren't doing them much good, but occasionally yeah. they get a glimpse of yeah. something. Uh, there's a lot of money being made there from the people with silver camera traps. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know. I wonder if they're like the uh, evil corporate guys behind Big Bigfoot, you know, pushing <laughs> well, camera traps. Big, 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 <laughs> these researchers are, are well intentioned. They're good people. I know them. No, well. I know they are. And, and a lot of them um, are just going the classical way, like I used to. And until you've had experiences like, like I've experienced, and it's more than once, uh, with these anomalies that goes on around them, you can't open your mind up to. What, what could be. And I just uh, really try to encourage these people to open their minds and, and realize there's more going on than what they can perceive with their, their eyes. Right. Well, you know, you, you alluded to your um, experience, your initial experience from back in the 70s, and you alluded to it to being quite a tale. Uh, tell me that tale. Well, the uh, first experience or all of them? I mean, I could go well, back. The last of, one was in 2016. So, At the beginning uh, of our conversation, you, you alluded to one that was um, 
extreme, um, just truly, truly unbelievable. But let's go with the first one. You know, that's probably always the most shocking. Well, uh, they're very aggressive sounding. We think they were, we might have been in their territory. Again, we're eight miles in the wilderness. This camp has been there since the 50s. The Johnsons have been there hunting since the 50s, 58s, when they started. So we're not sure if these things have been in, uh, uh, watching them and just observing them and came in for the food that one night. And that's what started it all because they found the track and in the mud. And, uh, and it just kind of it frightens you a little bit because the sounds are very aggressive. And uh, they, of course, didn't have recorders. They're up there just speculating watching the camps because the deer population what have you so um they came out told the rest of us uh, or told the other hunters i wasn't a hunter at the time and they went up and experienced the same thing these things things came back in and you hear the chest beating you hear the big snarling sounds and uh wow it, it really throws you because the amplitude is so big uh, one of the guys got scared off. He wouldn't, he just left the next day, he left a note and said, I'll see you guys at home. <laughs> he took off. He just frightened mm-hmm. him so much. He was it's very reasonable. religious, very yeah. religious. And, and he, he didn't know where to put this in, in his, uh, in his religious circles because the Nephilim are not around anymore. Right. <laughs> and they were in the book of Enoch for the most part. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not canonized, but it's right. acceptable. A right. lot of people accept it. Yeah. Bible scholars do. The Apocrypha. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, Anyway, uh, you get into that Greek mythology and all that, and it goes on and on. And I just encourage people to check into it besides just close their minds and it's what's a woo-woo or something because it's sure. not woo-woo. Quantum physics is, is the way things actually work throughout the universe from the most minute level of our existence all the way through the end of the universe. So uh, somebody answered me the question of how far it is to the end of the universe, and they can, that'll squeeze your mind a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, the answer is beyond that, there's nothing, so it's all the way. The answer is all the way. (laughs) There you go. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) However far it is, that's how far it is. Um, Yeah, okay, so what what do these things sound like? We've we've talked about how terrifying the sound is. I don't expect you to hoot and holler into your mic, but, you know, can you describe to me what that sound is? No, you have to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I should have sent you some sound bites. I I got them. They're they're very available. And uh, I could have done that. But still, uh, if you hear it, it sounds like just something and you hear them talking to each other or communicating in a very mm-hmm. aggressive, very rapid, that's the best way to describe it. They're very rapid, very, uh, very, very high pitched. I shouldn't say high pitched. Uh, uh, this rapid is the best way. And that's the same. Albert Osman, uh, supposedly in 1924 was kidnapped by a, by a Bigfoot and held captive for six days. That's uh, in John Green's book, The Apes Among Us. And he's, he witnessed them before he escaped, uh, talking and it's, it's the story has been deemed very credible because he went in such detail of how he escaped and all the things he went through he said they were chatting amongst themselves so that means they were they were communicating well all animals communicate but these things communicate with a language and uh, a crypto linguist scott nelson got a hold of my sounds uh, in uh, 2008 asked if he could study them he just by accident found them on the bfro and and uh, he heard it, and he thought he heard language within the sound. So he he studied them, came out, and then actually interviewed me and Al Berry, uh, and found the context of the sounds, what was going on, and he went back and studied them. And 
And he made a statement. He said, these things have a complex language. And he's a Navy cryptolinguist, retired from the Navy as a cryptolinguist. He studies and teaches foreign languages now in Missouri. And uh, very credible. I didn't know a guy like that existed. But when he came forth and said that, that just brought it to another level again. Because according to Dr. Lieberman, uh, 1968, he made a statement, only humans have the vocal capability, which means the hyoid bone here, which connects to the tongue, nerves into the brain, which gives us the the creative uh, sapient talk we're doing now in the uh, in this state. So and other animals, another animals on the face of this planet is supposed to have that attribute, just humans. So yeah. every, everything communicates, but not with language like we're doing now. Yeah, I read, uh, I read some article that basically said that chimps um, had the ability to do it and then it used their vocal cord structure and structured the chimp and created what the chimp would sound like if it was able to talk. And for some totally just sadistic reason, they had it say uh, something like, will you marry me? You know, and so pretty horrifying. I I would play it over and over to my wife and it would like just absolutely (laughs) just terrify her. Stop doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, in your, in your writings and, and, and research, you know, you talk about four types of sex watch communication. You know, um, what is that referring to? Well, I, I don't know that I talked about four types of communication, but there are types of communication. Some of it is stick structures, which we weren't looking for up there, but I've, a lot of people come out with that now. They look for stick structures, I get it. which is a, is a way of, of telling another one following you which way you're going or what to do or something like that mm-hmm. if they're of the same mindset. You've got that. You've got mind speak, which a lot of people ascribe to that because they, we all have mind speak. It's it's who we are. I mean, te- telepathy, if that exists, which it does, we've had sense of things, and science doesn't know how to quite answer that. Quantum science does, and you've got, uh, of course, the verbal communication, like I've experienced, like I've recorded. So that's uh, three. What's the fourth one? Let's see. I don't know. There's three. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, I don't know if some of these sightings are accurate. The third, the fourth one would be pheromones, I guess. What? Uh, pheromones. Oh, there you go. Well, pheromones is is, is a way of communicating, it's a way of attracting. Yeah, uh, infrasounds, another one. Uh, if we don't hear those things or see those things ourselves, but I know when I run into something like I call it a force field in my book, Voices in the Wilderness. Uh, Warren Johnson and I were walking up to where one of these things had to be behind this huge tree that we was walking towards. We heard him sounding off while I was inside the shelter, and we jumped out. We thought, well, we'll see this thing run away because we can kind of bowl then because these things weren't eating us and weren't carrying us away. <laughs> so we thought we was going to be safe. We start walking up there. We're probably 15 feet apart, and all of a sudden we both get stopped by what <clears throat> I described as a force field, like, like you see in Star Trek or something that couldn't move forward. And he looked at me and I don't know what you, I can't go anymore. And I said, I can't either. And it had to be behind that tree right there. And so I mentioned this to uh, uh, Dr. Leroy Fish, who has now passed away too. And he said, we can't deal with uh, your emotions and your, your feelings and stuff like that. I said, I said, it wasn't, we weren't afraid at that time. We were just walking up and wanting to see this thing run away. He said, well, it has to be the pheromones or infrasound. Infrasound will affect humans. And uh, that sounds that we can't hear, but that's, that's been used throughout. Uh, I, you know, I think uh, Hitler used that to control some crowds sometimes, infrasound. Um, 
ultrasound is uh, above what we can hear. That's what dog whistles are made and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, pheromones only work within the same species. I so so sure. at the time, I thought it has to be infrasound that stopped us because uh, something stopped us. And I mean, it happened to me one other time in the woods, too, when I wasn't even thinking about Bigfoot. I was up there and bam, he just got stopped. And uh, anyway, uh, that's, I think, now that we know that, or think we know that they are part human, and I do think that's most of a lot of them are, uh, there could have been a pheromone that stopped us. You know, um, you know, to bring us back to the animal um, sapient discussion, um, one thing that's kind of probably hard to rectify is that here we have something that's coming into your one's camp, uh, you know, people's cabins, camps, and and uh, foraging for food and building stick structures um, that can also travel between dimensions. So I assume that this, you know, I think traveling through dimensions, I automatically associate with technology. And then uh, this situation, it seems like we're not dealing with technology. No, we're not. And I, I don't think we can put them all in one box like that. We didn't look for stick structures. They may have been some up there, but we didn't, we weren't looking for that. We weren't looking for, we were just wanting to experience what we were experiencing. So sure. people ask me, well, did you, did your horse's hair get braided? You know, because that's another thing they say they do. Uh, I don't know. I used to just say, well, they ran into a tree and they messed their hair up or something. But uh, I wasn't looking for that. None of us were. We were there for the big deal. We were there to experience them and to uh, try to learn something. Well, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, um, how do we suspect that they are achieving the traveling from one dimension to another? Is it a physical ability or is it a you know, spiritual ability, like meditation-wise, or is it a technological ability? I think, and this is totally what I think. Totally it's, speculative at this totally point, I realize. So we're you can't write out. it down in stone and pass it on your grandchildren. It's, right. Yeah. <laughs> unless it's proven out, you know. But I think they are able to alter through their vocal mechanism, which I think they probably have more than two vocal cords. We have two. And I think they're able to do that. Uh, to make those sounds they made, sometimes you, like I said earlier, we thought our camp would be in tore apart, everything had been strung out out there, and you look out there, out the shelter door, and nothing's changed. Well, did they hypnotize us all, or how did that happen? Did we hear into another dimension, or were they able to create that sound with their vocal mechanism? I was told a few years ago by a medium, which, again, you can take that for what it's worth, but that they have seven vocal cords. And if they have seven vocal cords, uh, they can make pretty much any sound. And uh, we've experienced all kinds of sounds up there uh, that are just un, un, not classical. It's not like right. we can right. understand. Uh, so I think they're able to change their their matter via frequency into energy. And uh, that's what people see when they see the predator look. And then David Pilates 411, where he features me for about 15 minutes in there, the hunted. Um, he um, he shows a lady, after my segment, there's a lady who experienced that same thing. And I know some people that have experienced that too. And it's, it's like you see, a, I've talked to a lot of people that said this, 
they, they, they see the Bigfoot going away and then they see it just like vaporize or change. And all these people, I just don't believe they're lying to me. You know, they're, they're not. I know personally some of these people, I know they're not lying. They've seen, at least they think they saw what they're telling me. And there's a, re, there's a way that can happen. And it's through, I think, the fourth dimension. And they're probably seeing the plasma field. depends on the temperature. And once you get out of the fourth dimension, which is time, light, I think they have to go together, time and light. And before you get into the fifth dimension, that's also where I think people see ghosts. You can you can mm-hmm. see it if the temperature's right. And it's usually at nighttime when the vibrational frequency is, is down. Uh, our frequency changes at night, too. That's why the witching hour is like 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. Earth's frequency changes. Um, the uh, Schumann, Schumann residence, I think, the rest of the says the earth is 7.83 hertz. That's the frequency of the earth. And uh, our frequency, if you get into alpha state of awareness, is, is right at that same point. And you drop off from, from the, uh, the uh, beta state that we're in now, which is total awareness, and you get into the alpha state, which is just relaxed, not analyzing things, and just you're drifting off, but you're not asleep. Then you go into the theta state, which is, is sleep. And that's where I, that's where Tesla said he got a lot of his answers to his, his questions is when he comes out of his sleep, he'd write them down, you know, because you get a lot of answers in, in that other dimension when you're not trying to analyze things with our three-dimensional environment, your eyes. Yeah, so it's fun, um, it's fun talking about this stuff. I, <laughs> I do it at least once a week. <laughs> um, I do it every day. I was on another program this morning. I got another one day after tomorrow. Uh, uh, it's, it's fun, you know. It it, it is, and it it makes um, it makes me wonder, you know. And and a lot of it is mashing it up, you know. So over the years, you know, most of us have been exposed to um, Bigfoot sightings of walking and seeing something move or, hey, we caught this. Uh Um, As you do your research, um, how statistically, ballpark it, um, how many of these sightings that you hear about actually contain spiritual or paranormal elements? Because a lot of the time, what we what we've heard, like on TV and TV shows, is is really not a spiritual or paranormal experience. Right. I would say five percent, maybe ten percent, have seen them disappear. I see. Uh, you know, that's. But of course, when much. you barely see them, I mean, well, why that, would you? It, right? it doesn't mean they didn't. They just they really didn't report that because right. a lot of people I've I've questioned people before and. They don't want to tell me that part until finally they realize I got an open mind. They want to tell me exactly what they saw and they tell me that. So a lot of people have witnessed that part, but they don't want to talk about it because you get into the woo-woo factor, you know, and yeah. a lot of people they want to throw you out, out with a baby then, you know. I see this. this yeah, that makes sense. The story gets un, yeah. unpalatable at that point mm-hmm. and people start to go, uh, and so they stop telling that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, you well, know, we didn't tell some of the stuff we went went on with us up there for a long time, just because we. It's crazy enough saying you believe in Bigfoot, but then when you say you saw one and you encountered them and you interacted with them and stuff like that, then people really get away. So that's why the science behind these recordings we've got is so important. Uh, it's it's it shows that there's credibility in what we have. We knew what we was dealing with. We didn't know what we was, we knew we was dealing with something unique. But we, we, until you get the science behind it, like Al Berry, 
you had the initiative to start searching out some academia that would that would work with us. He went to the people that studied the uh, Nixon tapes first. <clears throat> they, of course, they don't do it for free, but they did listen to him and say, you know, whatever made this was spontaneous and it was huge. <clears throat> and uh, they, they uh, anyway, they recommended he find some academia and some sound engineer to get the tapes verified that they were real. There's no 60 cycle hum in them, which would have shown pre-recording or re-recording, altered speed, stuff like that. That's all been checked. It's all been noted. Yet you got classical science out here that want to believe these beings are out there. And I know some of them have been, been traveling with them different places, parts of the world. And I, I know how they think. They, they can't get out of their parameters, which says they got to be an ape. And if, once you've made up your mind what they are, you want everything that you hear to fit in that box. <laughs> and right. unfortunately, uh, you, you can't be that way if you're going to be open-minded. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if this is the true definition of wisdom, but, but I refer to it as intelligence you can only acquire with age. And as I've gotten older, I realize most things do not fit into the boxes that I want them to. You know, having kids, you know, I know lots of people who like they get pregnant and they tell me like, oh, this is exactly how my kid's going to be. And I'm like, no, it's not. It is not going to be like that. Your kid is going to be the way your kid wants to be. And you have very little to do with it. You know? uh-huh. Kids will change your life. They will. Told my son, I said, you're fixing to love like you've never seen love before, you know, when you have your own children. And yeah, that's yeah. when you, you'll do anything, you know, to protect them. Yep. You get to know what it feels like to give and not receive unconditional love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ron, I am a huge horror fan that anybody who knows that listens to this. So I have to ask every guest that has ever had any experience. So I'm not trying to throw any shade at the Bigfoot. What is the scariest encounter you've ever had with a Bigfoot? You know, where you just thought this might be it. Hmm. Or, or has it happened? Well, I haven't. I think fear is your enemy. And uh, I try to pride myself in not being afraid of things. And hmm. uh, uh, so I really, I knew they hadn't eaten the Johnsons. I hadn't carried anybody away. And uh, when I went up there with the Donald, the guy that, didn't, wouldn't go back by himself. That's how I got in the group. And uh, the guys were a day late coming out from a hunting trip. And uh, so that got me involved. And I knew that they hadn't, they showed me the track, showed me something they had recorded. And uh, that, that got me all enthused because uh, we didn't know if he was after a monster or what, right. what was going on up there. Right. But anyway, um, uh, I don't know that I've ever been afraid where I've just been jumping out of my boots or something. Uh, you can't help but be concerned when, when those sounds are right outside your shelter like that. Sure. By the way, I, I have my little laptop here, and I do have some sounds on there that I use in my PowerPoint program. I don't know how they come through here, but we could try one if you want to. Uh, why don't you send them to me, and I will edit them in. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. And after the completion of our show, Ron was nice enough to send in those recordings, so let's give a listen to those right now. These are Ron's recordings of Bigfoot sounds in the wild. (laughs) 
first ones were very aggressive sounding and you could hear these these chattering back and forth and uh, very very dominating some of them and then years later it's 1974 uh, we ride in camp my friend and i we were taking our horses in to pick supplies in and these things started interacting with us i pull out my re little recorder out of my uh, saddlebag and started recording what went on that's when i interacted with them and that's probably the most exciting thing I've had happen. And that's the night I got to see one, you know, flash by me. And um, so I got that recorded and I'll send that to you. But over the years from 71 through 76, we had recordings going on and uh, I got an archive of a lot of them, but uh, these are probably the better ones that, uh, that I've got on my CDs. And uh, I produced CDs with the sounds and uh, narrated one by Jonathan Frakes of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Awesome. And, and then uh, that's about 40 minutes long. We've embedded the sounds in that. Uh, uh, Alberry wrote his story. I produced it. And we got Jonathan Frakes to narrate it. And, uh, got number one. You can't, you, yeah, it, can't it, it doesn't get any better than number one. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second one I produced a few years later, Alberry uh, recommended it because it's got some really different sounding sounds on it. I've got the, the beating sounds, they, they rhythmically beat, uh, the whooping sounds, a lot of people hear them whoop. A different intonations of whoops and what and this is the night i saw one so i, I we know what was going on then and they also got what they call they've coined the samurai cry which is a, a big cry of one of them uh, that's when i see him run down by by me there and um so those are very interactive sounds the other ones weren't so interactive uh they were just aggressive sounding so that's uh the first and the second one i'm gonna have two two cds i narrate the second one and uh save myself a lot of money that way <laughs> right <laughs> um you know this this makes me think of uh two questions you know we were talking about um a scariest encounter and you said that you really haven't had one you know so i i gotta ask how many encounters once again of course we're ballparking statistically off of your research um you know, you, you talked earlier about a guy who was like abducted for six days. You know, how often are encounters violent? And well, I don't know if violence the right word, but I mean, obviously being abducted is not comfortable. Um, confrontational. Confrontational. Yeah. How often are they? Um, uh, I don't know. People get abducted. How yeah, often do people get abducted? I guess well, is what I should be asking. To, who, who comes back and tell you about it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I tell people, you know, if you if they tear one of your arms off, stop beating over the head with it, they're probably not friendly. Right. Yeah, there are yeah. friendly ones and there are, are, are malevolent ones and uh, good ones but, and bad ones. Yeah, put yeah, it that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, the good ones are a lot of people report. And a lot of people think they're in the 
fuzzy woo-woo camp, you know, and everything's fine. They plant flowers and give them candy bars, but uh, I don't think you can be that, uh, that, you can't that way about it. You can't type them yeah. all the same. And again, you won't know the bad ones because if you read any David Pilates 411, you know that a lot of people turn up missing. There's not accounted for them. He's not saying at all that Bigfoot abducted them or that a UFO abducted them, but something happened that doesn't make sense. Right. And so you can draw your own conclusion from uh, from reading his books. Uh, so I don't know. You know what the how many of these people just walked off the edge and never were found again. Animals ate them or whatever, but. Uh, there's there's some interesting reports in his books about people uh, who aren't seen anymore, so they can't give you a report. Right. So, um, you know, one thing that's going to pop to anybody's mind who's hearing this for the first time, uh, hearing about, I mean, everybody's heard of Bigfoot, but anybody who's digging into the topic for the first time, um, is there any scientific evidence that he exists. We see shows uh, where they uh, DNA a chunk of meat or they have a chunk of hair they snipped off a scalp in in uh, Nepal or something. You know, is there anything... Physical evidence, I think. Th- well. Exactly. Yeah. Is there any physical... As opposed physical... to eyewitness reports. Yeah. Well, a geneticist, Melba Ketchum, I did a study a few years ago, and uh, she had 108 samples. Uh, I know some of the people that are involved in that. David Pilates was one of the guys involved in that. And another ex-officer uh, uh, close by me here was involved in it in the Genome Project. And uh, really, she, she came back with the mitochondrial DNA, which is the maternal side, is mostly human. And then you get into the nuclear DNA, which tells you what the male counterpart was, and they couldn't match them. And that's out of 220 oh, that's billion. The gene bank that couldn't be matched. Mm-hmm. So her whole report was foo-fooed by the academia because they wouldn't accept that. If it's existing, it has to be in a gene bank, right? right. <laughs> but they're in their right. box, and, and I understand that. Uh, so I think she's going to be vindicated, to be honest with you, because you got another uh, study that went on above Bhutan and the Himalayas, uh, 17,000 feet, National Geographic uh, sponsored that, and and this geneticist up there uh, out of some eDNA, which was prints, bipedal prints uh, from the 17,000 feet. No human had been there uh, walking around barefoot in snow, ice. And uh, the eDNA, a couple of years later, when she got through her study, the uh, eDNA, or the mitochondrial DNA was uh, mostly human, 99% human. Hmm. Couldn't identify the nuclear. So there's some corroboration, but science won't get it. They won't take that. They won't accept it because they're in a box. And I think what I try to encourage is that classical science and quantum science has to combine. They can't ever get a handle on this thing if they're going to be so closed-minded they stay within the parameters that they've been disciplined in. And that's that's where it's at right now, I think. And uh, I've, I've seen these professors just say, thumbs down with Mello Ketchum's uh, report. But I think they should back up and just say, we don't know yet. And that's that's right. the best thing I think a scientist could say. We don't know. So many of them think they they got to be an ape because that's what they look like. You know, they're running until until they see one face to face, and there's a human look to them. I've talked to a lot of people that have seen them face to face, and I said they got a really human expression on their face. Yeah, well, isn't there just an obscene um, 
large percentage of DNA that we match to uh, chimpanzees or bonobos or one of those where we're like 98% match. And if that's the case, I mean, apparently 2% can go a long way because. Yeah. Well, it gives us our sapiens, right? Because I got to tell you, you know, if you, if you put it into just realistic terms that we can all digest a chimp for me, undateable. And so if it's this 2% has gone to the point where, you know, I'm not going to hang out with this thing. Um, you should, you obviously, a weird place, Charlie. <laughs> you get where I'm going with this, though. You know, I, the I 2% but I, can I create such how a... you made that point. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'll bring it up in counseling, though. But... You're just mucking around, right? <laughs> <laughs> that 2% oh, can create such a difference that when I look at something, I say, that has nothing to do with this. You know, and so obviously these these small things that they're discarding because they're not in their registry could make that massive difference that when we look at it, we say that is not this and we should run. Well, well, so the evidence, sorry, the evidence you pointed to just now, it, it sounds like that's a, a major piece of support for your sort of theorizing that if you're ready, to, if you're ready to accept it, the, yeah. again, academia is not ready to accept it because it doesn't fall within their parameters, and that's too bad because they need to just be a little more open-minded and uh, look well, into some of this stuff. I, you know, I guess if we're talking hybrid, the question is hybrid with what? Yeah, well, there you are. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, you got a primate out there, maybe an orangutan or something like that, and you got. Uh, uh, an alien messing with the DNA of that thing, giving it its sapience, and there you have part human. Or you got you got a you got them manipulating the DNA, which are where they go. Uh, I just think there's so much advanced intelligence that we have no comprehension of how high it can go and what they can do. Uh, if they can travel through space uh, in a spaceship and go across the galaxy like that you know yeah, of course you technology wonder, is yeah uh, it gets you into star trek and all that stuff and magical uh, by the way I, I like star trek but i don't i don't get my stuff from Star Trek. <laughs> no no of course not of course um well, you so know that, sorry, sorry go ahead Kara. this this just raises a topic which we haven't really talked about yet concerning this which is let's just assume these are hybrids we're talking about why do you think the these creatures are being created basically uh is it a science experiment is it some of them might be uh what what is it uh it's uh, i think it's a hybridization into the uh earth's atmosphere into the earth oh yeah yeah i guess you you did mention that earlier so it's sort of a form of like getting getting a version of these getting their species to survive because this species that we're we're in right now you and i is probably not going to survive I mean, something's going to happen. That's a, Fair. I don't, I'm not a negative person, but but <laughs> we're, we're killing ourselves. You know, we're, it's horrible. We don't yeah, know. I mean, uh, that's just true. I don't know the, the, Unfortunately. the bit of it, you know, what's really going on. We only know what we've been told and what we're trained to learn. And uh, no, I think we're going to probably, and these things will survive. Uh, they don't require a house. They don't require what we, what we think we have to have to, to live in this uh, mm-hmm. in this environment, the Earth is a, a jewel, though. I mean, it's got the gold. It's got it's got the minerals that, that aliens need. It's got uh, it's got so much. It's, it's a beautiful planet, and we're 
we're screwing around with it. Yeah, you know, in some ways, the fact that these creatures are sort of outwardly primitive, you might say, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is maybe a sign that they're actually more advanced. <laughs> Not any bad. Or might be more advanced. Physically better adapted, maybe. There's yeah. a good word. Yeah. Well, a lot of animals do adapt, and that's what the classical researcher thinks is they've just adapted into not cloaking but into like a like a octopus would do or a squid or a cuttlefish you know they can they can cloak into the environment and you won't even see them i'm a scuba diver too and i you see it uh you won't even see a octopus unless you unless you scare it and it moves away right yeah yeah just camouflage and really I can't, I, one of the things in my life that will go down is those memories. Like maybe you have 10 memories in your life that you will always remember. Uh, One of them is the first time I even saw a video. It wasn't even live. It was a video of a cuttlefish. Uh You know, the first time I saw that, I like looked at it and I'm all, I did not know that this was even possible. You know, this (laughs) thing is flashing. This thing is changing. uh, Right in front of your eyes. And, and, you know, there's a guy named Shane Land who's from Alaska. He's written a book. Just I wrote the forward to it. And it's It gets into what I'm into, the quantum part of it. He's got a theory on, on possibly their hair has that same uh, type of, uh, of uh, attribute hair. where they yeah. can, they, you can you know, where it reflects light around them, right. which it could be true. And, again, you can't throw them all into one box. Uh, some of them can do what others can't do. I think some of them can talk. Maybe some of them have it they've been diluted down from indigenous crossbreeding over the years of the eons i should say native american lore says that you know they used to take their women and and they've uh, they've just been diluted down some of them are more human-like than others uh what we were dealing with up there might have been pure alien who knows they were big at big feet big voice you know um I can't talk about aliens without bringing up intention. So, you know, we were talking about the hybrid. Okay, a hybrid between what? Um, Another question that goes along with that is um, why? Um, And off the top of my head, I can really think of two ways that people tend to go with this. Uh, People tend to go, okay, well, we were slave labor. Or uh, this is a 2001 space odyssey situation where they're perpetually, uh, you know, perpetuating life. But if it happened eons ago and we're still here, was it a fourth? I realize we're well under the realm of speculation, but was it a forethought or why would they? Was it a failed experiment? Um, do you get what I'm saying? It's like I love this. Let me let me say what I think. Okay. <laughs> Another drink. I'll tell you exactly what I think. Yeah, yeah. I no, will. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. I, I believe in evolution. The troglodytes have evolved, and we've evolved into a human-like hominid. But I think aliens have played with that, and uh, uh, over the eons, these uh, uh, these troglodytes. We're 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 a troglodyte. I think. A special entity, a special alien, and I'm an alien. And how do you like that word? <laughs> Let's call it God. Okay. Right. He okay. created us as sapient beings in His image. So we are to have dominion on this earth. And I, my book says, bringing science and spirituality together. If you look at a lot of things that are written, you don't have to take the whole thing, but take what fits because it fits uh, so well in my mind. Anyway, uh, we are children of a special alien god and and i think we are 
not supposed to be messed with. And aliens, other aliens who have visited this earth, I've got evidence of that in Peru when I've been down South America a few times. And uh, I know they've been here. They've done things that we still don't understand, uh, these megalithic structures and all. So there's a lot going on that we just need to study and look into. I've been doing this for 50 years now, and it's they've mineralized. They, they like, you look at, I've flown over the Nazca lines, too. And you see some of these plateaus. That, it, it wasn't just sloughed off the dirt to make them flat for an airstrip. No, that dirt's gone. It's like, where'd it go? Uh, Al Berry is a geologist, a master geologist. He looked at that. He says, "How did you know the, the the dirt is gone? It's just gone." And so you see that stuff, and and you see the megalithic structures, how they were put together, formed like jigsaw puzzles, hundreds hundred ton rocks that are just put together with no mortar, and uh, you can't help but open your mind up a little bit and understand that there's so much more happened in the past. This stuff's being discovered all over the world, really, not just in Peru and Bolivia. Uh, that's where the elongated skulls we found were. We didn't find them, but I mean, we studied them. Right. You know, two different yeah. scientists down there. They had like 28 to 30 percent more brain matter than, than we have as, as homo sapiens. And so what were the DNA says they were part human. But uh, again, they come from Asia. How they get to Peru? Yeah, <laughs> you know, this was three thousand years ago or better. I'm getting off subject here a little bit, so. No, I I get where you're coming from. I coincidentally just today I got my 23 and Me back. I'm adopted, and I got 23 and Me, uh, so I could find out some of this stuff. And perfect, um, yeah. and and part of I was a little surprised, although I've I've heard uh, part of what showed up was. Uh, how many Neanderthal traits yeah. are What percentage made? are you? Three to five to one, two? I, it was something low. Uh, yeah, you it's know, all low. It's always low. Uh, so I don't know within the realm of what it was. Maybe. Or do you know your blood type? Uh, I am O positive. Oh, well, that's pretty common. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. You're in good shape. Then. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's really <laughs> eye-opening. Yeah, yeah, I guess. This is, you got to immediately ask the question, which blood type is not in good shape? Yeah, what, what if it's an AB, you know? What, what? <laughs> okay. That's funny. Um, okay, so, you know, another question that I always think of when I think of um, anything uh, sapient, uh, it's my word of the day, apparently, uh, I've I've struggled for it in the past, and here you gave it to me, so I'm sure I'm going to use it from here on out. Um, is do we know anything about their culture? You say that this guy was kidnapped for six days, and uh, that there's you know research and and maybe uh, some stick structures. Do we know anything about their culture? Like when when he you know, saw them hanging out, did they seem to be hanging out? I wouldn't even know what to imagine that to be like. Well, a good report on that is the one John Green did in Apes Among Us. Uh, that book can be, and you can read the whole interview that he did with Albert Osman. Uh, Albert Osman experienced this in 24, but he wasn't interviewed until the 50s, early 50s, when John Green interviewed him. Uh, I actually, I'm a pilot too. I have an airplane. I flew up into Tobe Inlet where he was supposedly captured, trying to re recreate maybe where the path he went looking for where he was kept because he was hauled off on this Bigfoot shoulder for, I think, three hours. 
and yeah. kept for six days. He gives a good report on what they were doing. They were eating, how they were eating. They were chattering. The kids were playing as two adults and then uh, two adolescents, a male and female adolescent. So he didn't know if he was there for breeding purposes or for eating purposes or well, if I say eating, I meant if, if it was going to eat him or breed him. Right, yeah, no, I, I got where you were going with it. <laughs> but he was, he did, uh, he knew something was Maybe messing both. with him. He knew something was messing with him at night, so he, he took his uh, chewing tobacco, which he put in the sleeping bag because he thought it was probably a barman of some type and might get his stuff. So he put a few things in his sleeping bag, and that night he got carried off. So he had this this can of, uh, of chewing tobacco, and he uh, that's how he escaped. The big male was watching him one time. There was just one spot of this this bowl that he said he was being held in, a 10-acre bowl. And uh, he gave the thing some uh, chewing tobacco. He got sick because it swallowed it. And uh, that's when he shot off. And he talks very detailed about going this canyon, that canyon, this river, that river, where he came out. And and uh, just an uh, inter- interesting story. And uh, one that, uh, if you, you want to research it, that happened. And then you got the... Uh, Fred Beck story about Mount St. Helens, you know, 19, same year, 1924. And he claimed he shot one dead on. He didn't miss it. It fell off. He went back to look for the body and they couldn't find it. Um, he claimed to this dying day that they were paranormal because they would find tracks because they, they knew these things were around, these miners in Mount St. Helens. And that's why it's called Ape Canyon now, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, well, I uh, guess, yeah, sure. I live and that's uh, it's written in the newspapers. He went in with like 30, 30 deputies or something trying to search this and do something about it. And uh, anyway, he, he claimed that they were just some supernatural about him. So who knows? Uh, we won't know uh, necessarily everything uh, until we change from our matter into energy and pass to another form. Hey, that was a good one. That's what happens, yeah. by the way. Well, I, I certainly hope it does. That's for sure. That is my hope, at least. Well, according to the physics, it does. It, well, yeah, I guess it does no matter what on some level. But I'm hoping it's a form that I can enjoy. You don't want to come back as a bobcat or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bobcat's all right. You know, I don't want to come back as a chihuahua or a lapdog. I don't know. Maybe I do. I don't know. No, um, I think you have to come back. Well, never mind. It matter. <laughs> going on. Um <clears throat> With, you know, Bigfoot and its connection to aliens, um, do we think that Bigfoot is currently interacting on any way with these aliens? Do we have any reason to think that? We're making the assumption that they're connected on a hybridization level. We're making the assumption that abductions and stuff um, happen because we're believing the accounts. So do we have anything that ties the two together yeah. um, as far as experience? We have a 19, 1888 report. Actually, it's out of uh, uh, Reading. No, not Reading. Uh, that's where you're at. Uh, Eureka, Arcade area. Yeah, uh, close. Uh, a rancher yeah. and some Indians saw this uh, big UFO. They didn't call it a UFO. And three crazy bears got out of it and, that's, mm. <laughs> and ran off. That's uh, you've like also got uh, reports that 20% of UFO sightings have a Bigfoot in them. That's pretty alarming. I interviewed really? a guy just in 2009. 
sorry, 20%. let me, 20% of UFO sightings. 20% uh, of Bigfoot sightings have UFOs. Oh, 20% uh, okay. of Bigfoot yeah, sightings have a, yeah. that's a big number, you know, that's especially because like, <clears throat> if I were to, if somebody were to catch me, and I know this is a ridiculous comparison, but if somebody were to see me while walking around town, it would be way less than 20% that I was in within eyeshot of my car, you know, which arguably the UFO is the Bigfoot's car if they're together, you know, and 20%, that is a really high number. It is. I got that off of uh, uh, some newspaper, Huffington Post or someplace uh, in my research. And I thought that was pretty alarming, too. I had no idea. But I did, as I was going to mention, I did interview a, a firefighter last year uh, who had to get a hold of me because he'd be experiencing not too far where our camp is. I say not too far, probably 15, 20 miles uh, as a crow flies. And he, uh, he'd been experiencing a Bigfoot, but uh, he thought he better get a hold of somebody that could help him explain something else that happened to him. Hunter, very credible guy. Uh, and uh, he... He actually seen a UFO at the same time hovering over this mountain in the daytime. He watched it for probably 30 minutes, and uh, it's connected with a Bigfoot. He's seen the Bigfoot come out from behind a tree. He had ran a deer across this meadow, and the deer just froze just like that and shot back beside him. And uh, he might be listening to this program right now. I better be careful. <laughs> I won't tell his name, though. <laughs> but uh, he said that doesn't happen. So he figured there was something over there. So he starts looking, looking, and this Bigfoot comes out and stands there. He said, I've seen his leg and I've seen his body. And he said, it's huge. It had to be at least four foot wide in the shoulders and 10, 12 foot tall, huge one. And that's what we've had up at our camp, those big ones like that. And he said it just walked off. But what he wouldn't tell me until later on when he got to know me is that one leg he didn't see cloaked into another leg. And I said, well, how big was the tree it came behind? He said, that's a strange part, too. It was only two foot round the tree he came from behind. However, <laughs> if they are energy and they are cloaking like that from mass to energy and energy back into mass through their vocal mechanism, which is my theory, uh, they could they could actually energize within the tree because it takes energy. Some of these pops you hear, which I've heard, uh, not just a banging on a tree, but a pop, a real loud crack. Uh, it's their energy, I think, and uh, it's coming possibly out of a tree. I've had other people tell me, you know, that even the Native Americans say they live in trees. They live in two worlds. Well, where do you go with that? Yeah. So when you're saying the pop, uh, you know, I don't actually, I'm not a learned Bigfoot. And it's funny. So when we deal with uh, biology, you know, there's mainstream science and then there's cryptids and then we get down to Bigfoot and everything's divided. There's mainstream Bigfoot and then there's uh, other Bigfoot in mainstream Bigfoot. Uh, they referred to it as knocking and mm -hmm. uh, on the shows and stuff, you'll see them knocking on uh, something with wood. That's what you're referring to, right? That's what I refer. I know they do that. I mean, I witnessed that. I've recorded that. It's on my second CD. That would knock in rhythmically too. Uh, but I'm saying, in 2011, when I was up there, uh, I was well. I like to say this. I, I went in by myself, which I'm not supposed to do, shouldn't do, because you don't know what you're dealing with still. But I've been up there three times with the cryptolingus, trying to corroborate some sounds again, and uh, nothing happened while he was there, except our batteries were going dead. So there's definitely something going on with the energy of these things. But I went up there by myself. I had a guy scheduled to go with me, but he backed out the last minute. 
And uh, I've got to tell you, the mosquitoes were so bad, I had set up this little tent, got inside of it, and was trying to uh, be at peace in the daytime. I heard this crack outside, it sounded like a gunshot going off. In my book, of The Voices of the Wilderness, I relate that as a wood knock. But I've wondered now, it was so loud, it was like a, a gunshot going off right outside my tent. And uh, I've thought, and since then, I've, I've talked to people, different people, who say they They've seen them come out of trees and go into trees. Well, that really sounds out there. It, I know it does. But. It, it does. But even with a gun, what we're really hearing is the tiny equivalent of a sonic boom. So it's like. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just think it could be the energy transferring uh, one, from one to another. Uh, not everything is a tree knock. And I've never heard of anyone who has seen one hitting on a tree. Not even me, even though I've heard them doing it. Yeah when they were around, but I've never saw that. So who knows? There's so many mysteries still tied up in this, uh, in this field of Bigfootology, I call it. Bigfootology. That's perfect. You know, and uh, there's nothing I love more than a mystery. And, and, you know, we've really had, I don't know, we've been doing this for almost three years, I think. And we've had like two or three Bigfoot guests on, and uh, this has definitely been been the most engaging one okay this is the only one that i've enjoyed all the other ones oh good yeah um you know (laughs) but uh you know there's something about bigfoot and there's something about aliens uh not aliens ghosts bigfoot and ghosts are the two that we all seem to know somebody who's experienced Uh and that's really sort of the fun of these topics so it's been a lot of fun having you on the show Uh, i've really enjoyed our conversation um you know, ultimately, we've been talking about your book, The Quantum Bigfoot, Bringing Science and Spirituality Together. Uh, will you take a second and tell our audience where they can get their hands on that and where they can find out more about you? Yeah, uh, ronmoorhead.com. That's M-O-R-E-H-E-A-D, ronmoorhead.com. And they can find all my, my both my books, The Voices of Wilderness, which has a CD, uh, downloads it, or you can get the actual CD if you want it. Um, with it so when i get to the context of sounds my chronicle of doing this for 40 some odd years and um that's available on my website and along with my cds and the quantum big which also is available on uh, amazon and mm-hmm. uh, I, I saw a lot of downloads you can download any of this stuff too well it's it's really been a lot of fun and i really appreciate you coming on the show well, thank you we have had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun i enjoy it yeah uh, i do yeah. and yeah. and earlier you brought up uh you know isn't this fun and i i have a hard time sometimes connecting with people who like the things that i like because they tend to get so serious that mm. they don't recognize the fun don't get me wrong you, you can believe wholeheartedly while also enjoying uh, the mystery of something. And uh, I really appreciate that. Great way to put it. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure being with you. All right. You've been listening to Ronald Moorhead here on Radio Wasteland. Sierra Sounds.